Welcome to the Coalition Physician Wellbeing's podcast, The Wellbeing Connector, where through our guests, we explore ideas for making healthcare a better place to work and serve. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Laura Hockman. Laura is a practicing family medicine physician and has become known as the medical matchmaker after founding Happy Day Health, a boutique physician matchmaking agency to match doctors with well-run physician-owned private practices where they can avoid burnout and enjoy practicing medicine again. She is an advocate for physicians' well-being amidst rising burnout and dissatisfaction. Her own experiences led her to discover the ways physicians lost autonomy and how to reclaim their focus on helping patients. Well, thank you, Laura, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So I wanted to start. You have an interesting history where actually you uh, uh, left medicine and came back. Could you just tell us a little bit about what 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 was story behind that? Yeah, I was in a private practice and I was pretty burnt out. Uh, you know, all the things that we all have as physicians, and I felt like the practice of medicine was not what I expected. It was not, you know a way to live life. My kid was always the first one to get dropped off at daycare in the morning and the last one to be picked up and doesn't mean my work was done. And, um, you know, I, I felt very disillusioned with the practice of medicine. And the practice that I was in was bought by a large hospital system. And I did, um, I did entertain the idea of going to work for them very part-time, mainly so I could keep in touch with my patients because, you know, as physicians, and especially in primary care, we develop very close bonds with our patients, and I really was not ready to say goodbye to them. But um, the hospital system gave me a contract that was not negotiable, and there were many things in there that were complete deal breakers for me. Like what? So, well, what kind of stuff bother you? Uh, there was a non-compete that is larger than some states. Wow. Uh, for two years, there was an intellectual property clause that said that pretty much everything I do belongs to them, whether it's on my time or their time or, you know, using their equipment, using my equipment. Basically, anything that I do in or out of work with them belongs to them. And that was a huge deal breaker because uh, my husband and I run an um, online addiction recovery program, which I would like to continue to own. <laughs> 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 and, and you know, the interesting thing with that is I had an intellectual property lawyer just write that one thing out of the contract because in my head I was thinking, well, it's not like I'd ever start another business, which, you know, luckily I didn't end up signing it. Um, but I had a lawyer just write out that one company out of their clause and they still wouldn't sign it. So, you know, those are the two big deal breakers. Um, and what, um, and they just said, take it or leave it. And their reasons were, well, the other doctors are signing it. And I was like, well, that's not a reason for me to sign it. <laughs> so, so I ended up leaving and did not plan on going back to medicine at all. And <clears throat> when I left, I actually just felt like this huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders. Um, I call that summer the best summer ever. Like, you know, in my photo albums, I title it best summer ever. I mean, it was so much fun. Um, but, 
you know, so what, this... so what, so what did you plan to do with yourself if you're, if you're leaving medicine? Cause you're going to work so hard to get there. So it's, I don't want to skip over that. What, what were your plans? What were you thinking? You know, I didn't have a backup plan. Um, I knew that I needed something different and I, a part of what I did that summer was just try to do things that I never got to do in my twenties. Like I went to a meditation class. I took yoga. I went stand up paddleboarding, like all these things that, um, are just fun. And, you know, I just decided that one day a week I would have, um, a babysitter come and I would go just be by myself. Um, so almost, almost like a self fellowship, like a fellowship in me. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, so I didn't have any plan. I just knew that I needed a change and I, I left, um, and just decided that summer I was going to be with my kids and I would figure it out. And how long ago was that? That was in 2017, so five, six years ago at this time. Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid of uncertainty. I know, you know, I was at one point. I think that's a fear that holds a lot of us back from leaving medicine. Um, but knowing how I felt uh, made me less scared of what was to come because I can create my own future, you know? Wonderful. Um. Anyway, so, you know, I had that amazing summer and near the end of summer, um, I got a message in my LinkedIn inbox from a recruiter um, asking if I wanted to go work at this practice. And, um, you know, I don't know what it was about that one message because we all get, you know, five, six, seven messages a day from recruiters and I typically just, you know, delete or ignore whatever. Um, But this one struck me and um, I answered her and ended up going to interview for a practice, um, which was actually quite fun. Um, and when I, I remember leaving that interview with this feeling of dread, like, what am I doing? It was, it was like, my brain was telling me, well, this is a practice, you know, if I can't enjoy medicine here, there's, then it really is just maybe medicine isn't for me. Um, and my, and, you know, my heart had that feeling from, but I, I just got out. What am I doing? Um, but, you know, knowing that it was quite different from traditional um, fee-for-service insurance-based medicine, um, I decided to give it a try and um, figured, you know what, if I don't like it, I'm back where I started and what have I got to lose? So I did. I went back to medicine and, um, you know, I, I loved it. I mean, I got to actually practice medicine. I had great support staff. I had time with patients. I didn't have to deal with insurance, insurance billing and, you know, the way you chart for insurance companies instead of charting for actual medical reasons. Um, and it was fun. Like I actually got to enjoy medicine again. So that's how I got pulled back into medicine. And my whole shift of how I think about the practice of medicine changed. And, you know, just kind of realizing it's not medicine that is making us miserable. It's all those things surrounding how we're forced to practice medicine. That's just, you know, makes it Could not you, what we were hoping for. Can you say a little more about the practice? Was it a direct primary care or what kind of, what kind of, you said it wasn't fee for service. What was it? It was sort of direct primary care working in um, an employer, 
you know, in large companies, there were these practices that were set up to provide full primary care, you know, preventive medicine, urgent care, the just kind of regular what you would see in a regular primary care office. Um, but it was kind of direct primary care-like. Okay. And so you you were paid a salary. You weren't doing billing. It was basically just caring for the employees in the in the uh, in the uh, in the setting of their of their business. Exactly. Yep. Got so it. I was paid a salary, whether I saw one patient or twenty patients. Although you know the way this there was those thirty minutes per visit or annual physicals are an hour. Um, and the great thing is because we don't take insurance. Um, you can do whatever you want in a physical. <laughs> so you can you can know you can do the preventive medicine and you can refill their medications or whatever without you know the patient getting some surprise bill that they think is going to be free and then it's not so it's just nice it takes away a lot of the headaches that um that we get in insurance based practice oh wonderful so um now i assume you're continuing to practice then in, in a similar setting or in different settings what have you done over the years yeah, so I worked for that company um, for quite a few years. And then just about a year ago, I went, um, I still work for them, but now PRN as a locums. Um, and I also started another company to help doctors find practices where they can also remember why we went into medicine and remember why medicine is so much fun and so fulfilling. So tell me about the company. What, what do you do? So my company is called Happy Day Health. It's, um, I, you know, I call it medical matchmaking, where I match physicians with practices that will really treat them well, where we can practice with autonomy and respect. And, you know, I only work with physician-owned practices because I feel that, um, you know, there isn't the corporate private equity, you know, there isn't the profits over patients that the big systems have. Um, so I will help the practices to find physicians. And similarly, I'll help physicians find jobs. Now, if it's a job that is not one of the practices that I'm currently working for, um, I try to make sure that the physician knows what they're looking for. So while they're doing their interviews and negotiating, I'll help in the background with, um, you know, what to look for in an interview, what to make sure to ask, you know, maybe after the interview, there's some more questions that they have or they should have. Um, we talk through all of that. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to help empower physicians to, take care of ourselves and to know what to look out for and to negotiate all these, you know, non-competes and intellectual property clauses out of our contracts because they're quite unfair. And, you know, we need a way, we need an exit strategy if the company that we're working for isn't so great. Wonderful. And um, do you find that there are some people when they contact you, they're wavering about leaving versus not leaving or although dealing with those type of issues as well? Yeah, I speak with a lot of physicians who are um, pretty burnt out. Um, a lot of doctors are unsure if they want to leave medicine entirely. Um, you know, a lot of doctors don't really know what they want. They just know they want something different. So what do you say to them? Well, that's a long conversation. So <laughs> we, you know, I, I like to get an idea of them, uh, an idea from them about um you know, what they do like about their practice, what they don't like about their practice, what they imagine, 
the ideal practice would look like and really just kind of going through the scenarios. It's more of a conversation than a, you know, a one-liner. Well, buck up, buckaroo, you know, it's more like what's important to you and what do you want your life to look like? And then how can we make that happen? And are sometimes they better off staying and sometimes better off leaving? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the vast majority of physicians I've spoken to, um, it's not really medicine that they hate. I mean, if you think about it and, and anyone listening, if you just sit down and write down all the things you like about where you are and all the things you don't like about where you are, usually what I see is the things you don't like have nothing to do with medicine itself. It's the lack of support staff. It's the... Um, not enough time with patients, it's being forced to double book, it's, um, you know, prior authorizations, it's all the things that have nothing to do with actually treating people and helping people to live better lives. And you're saying some practices or some places that are hiring or have figured that out a little better than others? Yeah. So um, a lot of the practices that I work with, they, well, they're financially viable for one thing. Um but they really do a good job of listening to their physicians, providing support staff. Some of the practices I work with have scribes or, you know, other templating systems that when the doctors go home, they're done at the end of the day. Um, a lot of the practices hire um, or, you know, a few of the practices hire um, physicians from other countries who never got certified in the U.S. to help with all of that administrative burden um, that the physician treating patients does not need to be doing. So they've certainly figured out ways of um, running the practice in a way that makes sense. Um, the physicians that own the practice are usually also working in the practice. And so if they don't want to be practicing a certain way, they're going to change their practice accordingly. So, you know, that's where the scribes come in and that's where the administrative support comes in because they're creating the practice that they want to work in. And just by default, it's going to be a practice that more physicians will want to be in. And those, and you said they're, they tend to be financially viable as well, because the biggest argument against all those things has been costs. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the downsides that I see often is that those practices don't pay what the hospitals pay. Um, it's it's often a trade-off. So these physicians that I've spoken to, you know, a lot of times it is comparable and a lot of times it's not. But um, the ones in those private practices that don't pay as well, they just see it as an absolute no-brainer. And when I, you know, when I kind of talk that over with the practice owners, they're like, how would anyone not want to work here? This is like so wonderful. I love my patients. I get to be excited to come to work every day. Sure, I don't get paid as much, but you know what I have? I have autonomy. I enjoy my life outside of work because I get to enjoy my life inside of work. It's it's a very interesting um mindset that is very different from um, being an employee and just seeing how much money can I make and, you know, going to work, doing your job and going home. And how much, just as a ballpark, how much less do these practices pay compared to the hospitals? It varies so wildly. Um, sometimes it's, sometimes it's the same, um, but I've seen it really low, like a hundred thousand lower, um, or, you know, even more than that. It really just depends. Um, it depends very wildly. 
And are you seeing this, uh, you're working with uh, all specialties or it tends to be primary care? What, what, what's your range? I do a little bit of everything. Um, the practices that I work with are mostly primary care, but I do have some pretty cool specialties. Um, I'm working right now with sleep medicine, gastroenterology, anesthesia, ophthalmology. Um, but most of what I do is primary care um, as far as the practices go. And then if I'm helping a physician, I can do that with any specialty. So do you think you're keeping people within medicine? I mean, so many people leaving primary care or leaving medicine. Uh, are you, do you think you're kind of getting some people to stay who might otherwise leave? I hope so. I hope so. And I, and you know, there are physicians that I've spoken with that, um, that do tell me, you know, I, I was considering leaving medicine. I'm so happy. They'll call me, you know, after they've started their new jobs and they're just, they're just a different person. Um, yeah, I, I really do hope that not just that I'll keep people from leaving medicine, but I'll, you know, remind people why they went into medicine to begin with and really get to enjoy it. So a number of the people listening to this podcast actually are, tend to work for large systems and they're trying to promote physician well-being. What do you think they can do to uh, retain their doctors and make them happier? Any, any suggestions? You know, I think the biggest thing is to listen to the physicians. The If you get, you know, sit a doctor down and say, what can we do better? There, there will be, <laughs> I guarantee the doc, the doctors will have no holds barred and they will tell you, I mean, you know, I think the biggest things are support staff and flexibility. So people will call me oftentimes they actually don't even hate where they are, but, um, they need to go part-time and they're on, the answer they were given is no. And so they're calling me to help them find another job when really the hospital can retain them just by saying, sure, you know, go down one day a week. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is to listen to your physicians, give them the support they need, and get those systems in place so that it's a nice, well-oiled machine and so that the doctors don't need to be doing the superfluous things that doctors don't need to be doing. And what about physicians going out on their own and starting their own private practice? Are you seeing that as well? I do see that as well. Yeah, I love that. Um, it's it's great. Yes, I do see that. Um, I think there's a big resurgence in private practice that's starting again. Um, most of the doctors that I see doing this are starting a direct primary care or direct specialty care practice. Um, I think they've realized that insurance is just a pain in the butt and they would like to keep practicing medicine in a way that's sustainable for them. So I do see that a lot. Um, and, um, I help out a little bit with that as well. How do you help out? What do you do? Um, so I partner with, um, some companies that will either help support their doctors to start their own practices, whether it's, um, that is, you know, getting financing, um, getting the right location. So really doing the market research to make sure that where you go makes the most sense. Um, marketing to gain pay enough patience to grow, um, you know, all the things that it takes to start a practice. Um, yeah, I do that. Okay. And I, I love to just support and be their cheerleader. <laughs> So you talked about uh, being listened to, and you talked a little bit about having a little more balance. How much of it do you think is um, people working less versus just working in a way that they have more control over? Oh, definitely both. I think if, if people have more control over how much they work, they would work less. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is having that control, but also having the support to be able to have that balance. I do think that as physicians, we are complete overachievers. We never say no. Um, we work ourselves hard too. I think we need to learn to have boundaries with others, but we need to know what our own boundaries are to be able to set them for ourselves or for other people. And I noticed in one of your videos, you were talking about quiet quitting. And I know that's one of the options that some people do. They stay at the job, but they just don't quite do their best at it. They kind of, uh, they quiet quit. Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, quiet quitting is such a uh, hard place to be in. I think once you've gotten to quiet quitting, I think that's a huge sign that it's <laughs> it's time to leave. Um, you know, when when you think about how you are when you're quiet quitting, you're just giving your absolute minimum minimal effort. And and by nature, that's not how we are. I think if we've gotten to the point of giving such low effort that we're doing as little as we possibly can, I think that's a sign that we're unhappy and we don't want to be doing what we're doing. And time to see what changes can be made so that we can enjoy what we're doing. And, you know, when I think about when I get a mystery diagnosis coming into my office, I don't stop thinking about it until I figure out what it is. Um, and, and it's because I enjoy it and it excites me. But, you know, at the point where I'm feeling so disillusioned that I don't want, that I just don't want to be there anymore. Um, typically, you know, when I get a mystery diagnosis, I'm like, I'll refer you to the specialist. Um, so I, you know, I, I really think that if you're at the point of quiet quitting, it means that you need a change. And I would take that as a wake up call. Um, because I think it's a way of quite quitting is really a way of self-preservation so that you can just survive each day, but you don't want to survive the day. You want to be excited to start the day and you want to be excited to see your patients and, you know, think about them when you go home with a sense of happiness so that you can be present at home when you're not at work. And I was thinking about someone I spoke to recently who uh, had a big practice and was thinking of retiring and the guilt he felt with, and I think you described it as well, about leaving your current practice. Are you encountering that as well, where people are finding it difficult just because of the relationships they've built up over the years and uh, having to make a fresh start? Yeah. Oh, this is huge. And and I've been through that too. And, you know, what someone told me once, I was, um, it's so funny, I, I was in an Uber car for about an hour and I had the most incredible conversation with this Uber driver. And we were talking about the guilt that I felt when I left medicine because I had just seen my last patient at that practice maybe a week ago um, or a week before that drive. And what she had told me was, uh, which has stuck with me, and I hope that someone listening can really connect with this, is that you have a big impact on people and there is that guilt of leaving, but what you want to know is that every time you leave and make a change, your impact grows. So if you have, um, you know, just for argument's sake, 1,000 patients, so you have 1,000 patients, you've helped those patients in a way that no one else can. And when you leave and a new doctor comes and becomes their patient or becomes their physician, then the new physician is able to help them in a way that you can't. And wherever you go, you're going to have an impact on 1,000 new patients or other new people in a way that the other people before them couldn't. And so your impact 
grows as you make those changes, which is really a nice way of thinking like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm able to grow that impact without the guilt knowing that someone else that comes behind me is going to do another awesome job and help them in a way that I couldn't. I think the relationship aspect of leaving patients is hard. I see it, you know, the way I feel when I leave a practice is, you know, I've just had 1000 breakups that I didn't want to break up with. Um, but with time that goes away and, you know, I think one of the things that we'll see is that our patients are happy for us and they may be sad that we're leaving, but, um, they know that we're human beings and, um, you know, I can't tell you how many of my patients said, I'm so sad you're leaving, but I'm so happy for you. This is going to be so wonderful. Um, so I think, you know, having, knowing that they know you're a human being, um, you'll be okay and they'll be okay. So I'm thinking your, t- your main take-home message for a lot of what you're saying is not to leave or not to leave. It's basically to empower yourself to do whatever you feel is the right thing and helping the physicians to really step forward and not to cope with problems, but to step forward and make whatever changes you need to make. Exactly. No, I, it, that's exactly it. And, you know, a lot of times when you're, you know, you know, there's the frog boiling in water analogy. When you're in it, you oftentimes can't even see what you need. So it's okay to just take a step back and either take time off or, you know, whether it's vacation time or time off between jobs, if you're able to financially do that, to just figure it out. Um, Yeah, I think the most important thing is figuring out what you need and then going and doing that. So one of the problems sometimes people have in making a change is financial debt and other obligations. Are you discovering that? And what do you say to some of those people? Yes, I see this a lot. So, you know, when I was in medical school, the debt was not nearly as high as it is now. And um, I'm seeing physicians with three, four, five hundred thousand dollars of student loans debts. Um, and it's an interesting thought because, you know, there's the different ways of living, which is you only live once, and then there's the, you know, financial independence, retire early. I think it's important in this case to really get a sense of how important paying those debts off is. I mean, $500,000 is a gigantic wad of money. Um, And knowing what you can live with and what you can live without, um, you know, living like a resident for your first year out of training can be monumental in paying those, those loans back. So what I do or what I would suggest is to look at your work and look at your lifestyle. It's a lot harder to dial back on a lifestyle than, um, to just stay at your current status quo. So if you're coming out of training, the best thing you can do is to just keep living frugally as long as possible. Um, But when it comes to taking jobs, um, you know, based on loan repayment or maybe a higher salary, I like to see, you know, what is the loan repayment? Um, What does that calculate out to each month? And then look at how much more do you need to earn if you were not to work at a, you know, a, place where you're stuck there for 10 years for loan repayment um, and just figuring out what that would look like. I think, you know, because oftentimes you can take a job that you may prefer that pays a little bit more each year um, and put that towards your loan repayment rather than taking the 10-year loan repayment program. It all just depends. I mean, the main thing is you want to work somewhere that you can Uh, enjoy practicing medicine because if you're not a physician, it's a lot harder to make money any other way. um, And then paying the loans back will be even more difficult. So, you know, think about your longevity in the practice of medicine and think about 
um, how you want to live your life and um, all of those things, uh, you know, it's hard to not let that get in the way of um, finding the life that you want to live. And I'm also hearing that your love of medicine, even when you were burnt out, was still there. Even if you couldn't feel it, it was still there. And you got to appreciate it again when you got back to medicine as well. Yeah, exactly. I had no idea that I still loved medicine, <laughs> <laughs> but I did. <laughs> Very nice. Well, our time together is coming to a close. Is there any closing thoughts or reflections you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's so important for us as physicians to know that we're not trapped and know that there's always something better we can do. I think a lot of us don't make the change because we don't feel like we're able to make the change for so many reasons. And just take the first step, whether it's just browsing the internet for jobs or, um, you know, even ones that don't interest you. I mean, when I when I did it, I would browse the internet and all the te- I hate teaching classes, but all the teaching jobs really appealed to me. And it just kind of opened my eyes to like, huh, maybe there's something out there that I think I didn't like, but I would like, or whatever it is, just know that you're not trapped. You can make the changes that you need. Even if you don't know what those changes are, just take the first step. Wonderful. Well, with that, I want to thank you, uh, Lara, for joining us today and for being part of the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. My pleasure. Well, that's our show for today. I want to thank Dr. Lara Hockman for joining us today and for sharing both her insights and personal story. You can learn more about Lara's work on her website, www.happydayhealth.co. You can find her on LinkedIn by looking up Lara Hockman, or YouTube by looking up at Medical Matchmaker, TikTok by looking up at Happy Day MD, Instagram by looking up Happy Day MD, or you can find her on Twitter at Happy Day MD1. If you wish to learn more about the coalition, please visit our website at www.forphysicianwellbeing.org. You can also check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I also want to thank our volunteers and the staff from the coalition who made this podcast possible. Finally, I'd like to thank ASESIS, A-C-E-S-I-S, Incorporated, for sponsoring my time working on this podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and his guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Coalition for Physician Wellbeing, its board, or other members of the coalition. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Brown, wishing our caregivers out there meaning, purpose, and joy in the practice of medicine. Together we are stronger. Until next time.